Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, grace and peace to you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for who you are. And I would just ask right now, Lord, that you would forgive me and cleanse me of any sin, and that you'd fill me with your spirit. And we as your people, we would be able to hear from you because, Spirit of God, you would speak through me to your people. And we wouldn't just be hearers of your word. We would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This morning, we're going to do something different. We're going to learn a worship song, and the worship song is very simple. And I've asked Denise Graves, who's right behind me, and we've done ministry together for many, many years, and I've asked her to teach you this song. And what we're going to do is, during my sermon, we're going to sing this song at different times. So it's very, very important that you learn it, you understand it, so that you can participate today as we look and Look into the Word of God together. So as she teaches you, would you please put your hands together before we begin to greet Denise Gray. Good morning, everybody. A lot of you know this song, so it goes like this. This is how I fight my battles. How many know this one? Sing with me. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my done good. And I'd say that you have done good. But I told Denise, I said, Denise, these people can sing. Yes. I mean, they can sing. And I don't know, I might be going deaf. I, I don't you know. My, my kids are down here. They start telling me, Dad, you don't hear us. You don't hear it. And I might not be able to hear, so it might be on me. But I think you can sing louder, all right? How, how about if we do this? Just this one time. Let's stand and let's really sing this like we really mean it. And Denise, let's, let's just really get into this, okay? So we understand what we're saying and what we're doing here. Amen. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my... Can you clap your hands? Come on. This is how I fight my This is how I fight my... It may look like... It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by... So 
Hug somebody on your way down now. Hug somebody on your way down. You done good. You done good. All right, now, this morning, again, we're looking at a sermon found in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. The title of the sermon is called, God's Got One More Move. Before we get into the passage, let me give you the background. Israel in Aram. Aram is present-day Syria, and they're at war with each other. And every time Aram sends their troops down to attack Israel, their plans are spoiled. And the reason they're spoiled is because God gives special revelation to Elisha. And every time God speaks to Elisha, he goes and he gives the divine information to the king of Israel. So that the king of Israel is always one step ahead of the army of Aram. So much so that the king of Aram believes that he has a spy in his camp. Look, we'll pick up the story in verse 10. Look at verse 10 with me if you have your Bibles open there. There we find this time and again. That means it happened more than once. Elijah warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned in his officers and demanded of them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? In other words, who's the spy? Verse 12, none of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who's in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. What that officer was telling the king is that Elisha, the prophet, knows every word you say in secret. So the king of Aram understands that he has to get rid of Elisha. He either has to kill him or capture him. So he sends out, he sends out a party, a scouting party to find out, to look for where Elijah is living. And the report comes back that he is living in a place called Dothan. Immediately the king sends out an army at night and they surround the city. Pick up the story again in verse 15 and it says this. When the servant of the man of God, in other words, Elijah had a servant, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Think of it. The servant's in the house. He gets up in the morning. He walks outside. He sees that they're surrounded by an army. He runs back into the house and he says to Elijah, we're surrounded. We're surrounded by an army. What are we going to do? Verse 16, Elijah, I love it. Oh, man, he's, listen to what he says. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Let me stop right here. Could you imagine what the servant must have been thinking? He must have been thinking something like this. Hey, boss, listen, I know that you're the prophet. But I just went outside, and there's an army surrounding, not just the house, the entire city, and not just soldiers, but horses and chariots. What do you mean there's more of us than them? I mean, I'm standing in the house with you. There's just you and me. Boss, what are you smoking? I'm sorry, man. What, what's going on? How's this really going to work? Then verse 17. 
Verse 17 says, And Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked. And he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now remember, the army of Aram believes that they have Elisha and his servant surrounded. They believe that they have him in checkmate. They have no more moves. But they have no clue that the God of Elijah and his servant has them surrounded. Has them surrounded. You know, you might come here this morning and you might be facing an insurmountable situation. You might have walked in here today and you are sitting there and you believe that all the odds are stacked up against you. Sitting out there today and you're looking up at me right now and you're thinking, you said, Ed, I'm surrounded. I have no way out. Some of you might be believing that the world, the flesh, and the devil has you in checkmate and you have no more moves. But today I want to remind you, I want to encourage you what the Word of God says. It might look like you're surrounded, but you're surrounded by God. As a child of the living God, God has you surrounded. Oh, you might look like you're surrounded, but you are surrounded by God. It might look like you're in checkmate. It might look like you have no way out. It might look like you have no moves, but God has one more move. Oh, Denise, let's, let's sing that together. Let's sing that. Let's go. Let's it may that. look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Hey, it may look like I'm surrounded. It may, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yeah, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Verse 17 says, And Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. See what? To see the invisible, the unseen, the spiritual world. Open his eyes, God, that he might see the spiritual reality that's all around him, that's surrounding him. Elijah's praying, oh God, open my servant's eyes that he can see that we have friends in high places. Verse 17 says that God did. When the Lord opened the servant's eyes, he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Elijah's servant looked again and he, now, he didn't just see the enemy. He saw God's army all around him. He saw Horses and chariots of fire surrounding him. What he saw was God's presence, God's protection all around him. God's presence, God's protection all around him. Can you say that? God's presence and God's protection all around him. That's what he saw. Do you believe that God's presence and protection is all around you? Do you believe that God's presence and protection is just as real today as it was then? Do you believe in your heart, honestly, that God's presence and protection is right here, right now, living within you, available to you? Well, it is. You know why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever.
The Lord Jesus Christ dwells within every believer. He is there with you. You know what that means? That means he cannot forsake his own. That means if he's dwelling within you, no matter where you go, the presence of God is with you. You know what the Old Testament says? It says when you find yourself, the enemy come against you, he's your high tower. And his people are found in the middle of his tower. You know what that means? Nobody, no enemy, no one can scale his walls to get to you because he's the high tower. Nobody can touch you. God's presence and God's protection is just as real today as it was then. I've told you this story, but it's appropriate to tell you now. I was a pastor in a church at Allegheny Centerline Church in downtown Pittsburgh with my wife, Tammy, on the north side in the 80s and the 90s. And we were there, we, we bought a home on a, on a street where four out of five homes were boarded up and unoccupied because we wanted to build relationships with the people in the community. That's where the church was, that's where we needed to be. So we began to build relationships so that we could earn the right to be heard so that we could communicate and demonstrate the gospel. But it was very difficult. Back in the 80s, literally, the north side was like the wild, wild west. The north side has totally changed in so many ways. But then it was really difficult. So Tammy and I, we would pray. And we would pray for God's presence and God's protection over our family, over our lives, over our home. And how we did that is the same way you did today. We prayed the Lord's Prayer over us, over and over and over again, asking for God's protection, asking for God's presence. So Tammy walked out of the house one day with my two sons. We only had two at that time. Nathan was two, and Joshua was just a baby. She walked out onto the street. She was putting the kids in the car. She looked down the street, and there's two men beating up the woman who was delivering the mail to us. Now, that's a federal offense. That's something you don't do. And those men saw that Tammy had seen them. So they left the woman they were beating up and started heading towards my wife with every intention to do the same to her. She, Tammy realized this. She put the kids in the car, locked the doors, turned around, and faced those two men. And she said that she gave them the most angry, mean look she could give those two men. And they stopped. And their eyes got as big as saucers. They turned white as ghosts. And they turned around and they bolted away from my wife, Tammy. I mean, they ran for their lives. Tammy stood there and said, I know that look wasn't that mean. <laughs> so she immediately thought there must be something behind her. So she looked thinking she'd find police officers or a SWAT team or something. She turned around. Nothing was there. No one was there. Oh, my friends, something was there. We don't know if it was the angel Michael, Gabriel, or Jesus himself, or all three. But when my, it appeared that my wife was surrounded, when it appeared that my wife and I, my kids were in checkmate, all of a sudden God opened up the realities of heaven. He opened up the realities of the spiritual world, and he gave those guys a look in. Just like he gave Elijah's servant a look into the spiritual realities. But in those, in, 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 in their life, the spiritual realities weren't coming for them. They were coming against them. So those men turned around and they bolted and they ran away. Listen, today, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means? That means God's presence and protection is available to those of us who believe. He's there with you all the time, will never leave you, will never forsake you, and he's always there. Do you believe that, church? Let's sing that together. Oh, let's sing that today.
Elijah's servant saw God's presence and protection. Now he's about to see God's power. It was God's power that rescued Elisha and his servant and ultimately the nation of Israel. Look what it says in verse 18. In verse 18 it says, As the enemy came down toward them, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. The word blindness there doesn't mean physical blindness. It means that they were mentally blinded. You see, in the English, you can't pick up really what all the Greek really means. In the Greek, what it's really talking about is this. It's talking about that their minds were absolutely confused. God brought total confusion to their minds so that when they were seeing, they weren't seeing correctly. God was doing a miracle because we serve a God that's miraculous. He's an all-powerful God, and he can take what's, what's against you, and he can turn around and bless you with it. Look what happens in verse 19. It says this, Elijah told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. Now imagine, they know Elisha, but now they don't know. They're totally confused. The man they're looking for is speaking to them. He says, listen, I'll lead you. And he said he led them to Samaria. Samaria is the capital city of Israel. Let me say that again. It's the capital city of Israel. Verse 20, after they entered the city, Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. Going back to the story, we know that Aram, the army, thought that they had Elijah and his servant in checkmate. We have them surrounded. They have no more moves. And now they open up their eyes. God brings them back into their right mind, and they see themselves surrounded. They see themselves now in checkmate. They are surrounded by the army of Israel because they're sitting in the capital city of Israel. Listen, God can take what is meant for evil, and he can turn it for your good. He can take what is meant for evil and reverse the situation so it ends up blessing you. That's the God in which we serve. That's who he is today, yesterday, and forever. That's the God we serve. He is all present. He is, his protection is available and his power. Listen, I told you a story before, but I'm going to tell you again. There was a day many, many years ago when my son Jonathan, my third son, was 16 years old. And all of a sudden he began to spontaneously throw up over a thousand times. We were in and out of the hospital 12 different times for 57 straight days. Finally, the doctors figured out that my son, the moment he would drink a sip of water, he would immediately throw up. So they put a feeding tube up his nose, down his throat, into his stomach, and they fed him fluid in order to sustain his life. But I'll never forget the day that Tammy and I walked into Children's Hospital and the doctors asked us to come into their office and we sat down and they looked at us and they said, Mr. and Mrs. Glover, we have no more options. There's no way we can help your son. When Tammy and I went and walked out of that office, we had prayed. We had sought God. We had so many people praying for our son. We brought him before different people to have their hands laid on him to pray for, that God would heal him. 
And when we heard those words, no options and no way, Tammy and I felt absolutely surrounded. We felt like we were in checkmate. Then our adopted daughter, Amy Volstead, gave us a call and asked if, if we would bring Jonathan to her church, the New Covenant Church of Pittsburgh. Bishop Garlington's church, because they had a prayer meeting on Saturday mornings, it was a healing service. And his wife led the service, Barbara Garlington. So we went to Jonathan because we'd been to a lot of places and we said, Jonathan, do you want to go? He said, yes. I couldn't go, so Tammy and Jonathan and Amy went. They were at the service and Barbara asked if anybody wanted prayer. Jonathan went forward and she laid her hands on him and prayed for him. They went out afterwards and they went to a restaurant. And every time we would go into a restaurant, Jonathan had to find the closest table to the restroom because he had to throw up. So he found the table and we sat down, they sat down and there was a glass of water there. And Jonathan knew that he hadn't drunk a sip of water for 57 straight days, but he picked up that glass and he drank the whole glass. He drank a gallon of water that day, pulled out his feeding tube and God healed our son. And I mean healed my son. We took him back to see those doctors and those doctors, especially this one doctor said, without a shadow of a doubt, we had no way of helping. That's a miracle. You know, you might need a miracle this morning. You might have came here today and you feel like you're at the end of your rope. You feel like your marriage is a mess. You feel like your kids have gone astray. You feel like you need a financial miracle. You're here today and you know inside yourself there's a spiritual battle going on and you're losing more than winning. You've got addictions, your pornography, gambling, or whatever, and it's eating you up. And you have secrets, and you know those secrets, and you're, you're saying, can God really help you? You could have walked in here today and knowing that you are being accused, falsely accused by people, and you need God to vindic vindicate you. You need God to step in at the workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood, that your character is being absolutely annihilated, and you need God to to vindicate you. You need God to step in on your behalf. Whatever that is. Listen, we prayed for days over my son, but that one day he walked in, that one day where we thought we had no more moves, no way out, God stepped in on that day and touched my son. This might be your day. This might be the day that you've been praying for. This is the day. But I'll tell you what you have to do. You have to give it up. You have to surrender. You can't care about what one person thinks in this room. You got to put it away and you got to come at the feet of Christ. You've got to come and you got to say, God, if you don't do this, I've done everything I know to do. Step in, make a way where there seems to be no way. That's you. I'm going to give you that opportunity. But before we do that, church, those of you that believe there might be one or two or three of you in this room and you're out there and you know that you have wandered off of God. You walked in today, you have no reason why you're here. Or you might be here today and you know that you know in your heart you don't really even know if you know the Lord Jesus. You don't even know if you know God. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ hung on that cross for you. He died for your sin. All of us in this room have broken God's laws. And we know it. We just admit it and we say, Jesus Christ, forgive us for what we've done. And Jesus did. And then he walked out of the grave and he can forgive you. That's the greatest miracle that God can do for you is bring you back into a right relationship with your father. 
with God who created you, made you, and wants you to be a child of the living God. The only thing that's keeping that from happening is your will, your pride, or unbelief. But if you're willing to surrender today and say, Lord Jesus, I want to come and I want to come fully to you, he'll take you in, he'll love you, he'll bring you back into a right relationship. Listen, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the religious leaders and the Romans, as he was hanging there, thought, finally, we've got him. Finally, we've got him. And when he died, they thought to themselves as they're walking away, finally, checkmate, he loses, we win, no more moves. Then they buried him. And then the disciples went up in the room and hit out, scared to death, that they thought that the Romans or the religious leaders were going to come and get them and crucify them. So the disciples, the religious leaders, the Romans, no one thought that Jesus had one more move. But three days later, he walked out of that grave. And when he walked out of that grave, he made it possible that anybody who's willing to call upon his name, that they would be saved. He has all power and authority to forgive you of your sin and guarantee that heaven is your home. But when you come to know him, not only will you know for certain where you're going to go when you die, but he will live with you right here and right now. And God's presence and God's protection and God's power dwells within you by his spirit. The only reason we're not seeing what we want to see is because we're just not surrendered. We're living for anything and everything else trying to get from day to day. The only one that you can really depend upon that will meet you where you are and get you through the week and through your day is Jesus Christ. He's all you got. As we sing this song, I'm going to give you an opportunity. And the reason why I'm going to ask you to come forward is because of this. I have been in ministry for 33 years. I've had so many people come on the sides and pray with me. Nothing happens. But when people come down and they surrender, when they come down and they say, I don't care what anybody thinks of me, I want Jesus. God does something for that person. So it's your decision. But our Jesus, this one who's same yesterday, today, and forever, is in this room. And he loves you, and he wants to meet you where you are. But you've got to surrender. You come. You come. If God leads you, I will be here. Pastors will be here. I've asked my son to come here. We're going to have prayer warriors here and we'll pray for you. And we're going to believe that God has one more move for you and your family. As you go, I know that there's so many of you that would love to just declare that you know this Jesus we're talking about. And I trust and believe that you have been praying for every person that walked up. I hope to God you weren't thinking about something else or what you're going to do because that's the body of Christ. We're in a war, my friend, and that war is real. And the world, the flesh, and the devil is trying to destroy everything that you believe in and everything that you love. And if we don't lock arms and we don't care for each other, we don't lift one another up, if we don't die to our flesh, to our lives, to our selfishness and pride, the world, the flesh, and the devil is going to win the day on our watch. You walked in this room today. You're part of the body of Christ. God loves you. And we are to love one another. We are to watch each other's back. So as you go out of here, you can declare that. They're going to lead you in a song that we've been learning. And as they lead you, you can sing it. 
But if you want to come down and get prayer, it's going to be too loud. So I'm going to ask you to go into that sanctuary right over there. There's a little chapel. I'll be in there. You come in and we'll be praying for you. But walk out of here triumphant. Walk out of here knowing that your God is present, his protection, and his power lives within you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Amen? Let us worship together.